Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? This is the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and today on the show we have 20th century American actor and singer Bing Crosby and the inventor of the printing press, Johannes Gutenberg. It was a fascinating talk, as per usual. A couple of quick announcements before we get to the episode. Don't forget that you can always check out the freshest episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Questions, comments, requests. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It's out now, and it's hilarious. Rate and review the podcast. Leave a comment. Share. Tell your friends. Go to jarrettberenstein.com for all the latest updates on upcoming shows and projects. I just put a couple of new dates on the calendar, so you're going to want to check those out. And, of course, save the date, March 24th at 9 p.m., my annual birthday show this year. We're doing the Sporty 40, everybody, at the Magnet Theater, March 24th at 9 p.m. Stand-up, sketch, special, guest stories. It's going to be a hoot and a holler. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Johannes Gutenberg and Bing Crosby only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous stories stuck in the head. Famous My guests today on Famous Dead People are 20th century American actor and singer, the world's first multimedia star, Bing Crosby. You're welcome. And 15th century German blacksmith and inventor, the man who revolutionized the written word with his movable type printing press, Johannes Gensfleisch zur Laden zum Gutenberg. It's me! Uh, Mr. Gutenberg, Mr. Crosby, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Oh, yeah, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be in a room with other people. Really practicing your name, Johannes, before before I came in today, and I just botched it. Johannes. You can call me Yo. Yo? Yo, I like that very much. I I like how you say Joe, but you can say Yo. You don't want to have a mouthful of a name. Keep it nice and short and snappy. But I do like it. I do like that you have so many. Johannes Gensfleisch Zerladen Zum Gutenberg. Okay, got it there. It's like a hat with lots of little feathers sticking up, <laughs> isn't it? It's a wonderful. Uh, quite colorful there. It is. You can never have too many hats on your head. Uh, so let's start off with uh, Bing Crosby for just a moment. So Indeed. you were born Harry Crosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the nickname Bing when you were a child. Uh, and I read that it was because you were a big fan of a comic strip called the Bingville Bugle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of your neighbors noticed that you were such a fan of this comic strip. She started calling you Bing after that. Is that right? Oh, that's very true. That lady liked to give me names all the time, and it took her 300 names before she landed on the right one. Oh, so she had given you other nicknames. What, what were some of the other names? Then, yeah. Well, the other names were Asshole, Dipshit, and Get the Fuck Off My Ooh. Lawn. Ooh, okay. So, And you were how old at this time? <laughs> I was two years old. Mm, two ah. years old. So you, these were really resonating then. These were some of the early brain. words. Those were actually the first couple of words I started speaking, and damn, they sang. And she must have been a <laughs> member of the Merchant Marines, I assume? Yeah, or? a real mouth on this lady. I don't know, but we didn't see her after 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Talk. After 2012? 
Yep. She lived long. She lived a nice long, long life. Long, healthy life. Yeah. She was just let it all out. You One know, the, just didn't bottle it up. So. You know what? That's probably the key is you got to make sure that you're venting your frustrations. Yeah, you, you got to live your life. You, you know, live your life somewhere. You know, when you bottle that stuff up, you know, it can uh, it can poison you and mm. it can give you send you to an early grave. Yeah. So I wanted to know what about this comic strip that you like so much, the Bingville Bugle. What was it about? What resonated with you, uh, Bing Crosby, so much so that when she started calling you Bing, you were like, okay, I'm on board with this. Well, the Bingville Bugle was a fellow around town that would solve crimes in sort of a hanky-panky sort of way. Ooh, hanky-panky. Well, yes, you know, he'd always have, so he'd be very wry, he'd be very quick, he'd solve the crime, but... Then he'd always make people just a little bit uncomfortable at the end of a conversation. <laughs> mm, okay, so... But please give us an example. Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear one. Well, for example, one of my personal favorite editions uh, in uh, comic number seven, uh, the Bing Bugle uh, solved a crime, stopped a burglar right in the, in the case of it, and then commented for a long time on how he thought socialism was sort of a necessary evil, but was largely... <laughs> going to be a problem. Interesting. Okay, that's not where I thought that was going. I thought maybe it was going to be like a like a sexual harasser kind of a guy. Oh, but... he was a big time sexual harasser. Oh, okay. But in addition, he was also sort of a rabble rouser? He was like a rabble rouser a and a rabble sexual rabble. harasser. Those are a pair that just go like wine and cheese. They go together like wine and cheese indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. That does sound really interesting. Like this guy Two solves crime. Two peas in a pot, right this there. This guy solves crime and then he gets on his fucking soapbox and he's like, you know what? Uh, you know, we got to give power back to the masses. And then I assume he always has the last word. Oh, mm. yeah, right. Because it's his comic. He always has the last mm. Of course he does. And it was a long three pages of words. <laughs> a lot of speeches. Yeah, it's a lot. Not very good for a comic bubble, but it sure spoke to a long, young little being. Yeah, I'm sure it shaped a lot of minds. You know, that's nice. And then, of course, he finishes off his social ceremonies with and check out that girl's cans. Of course. And uh, don't yell at me, you love a baby. And then that's the end of the strip. Yep, usually the catchphrase was, look at them dames. <laughs> look at them dames. What a tame! Oh, what a tame time to be alive! What a tame that, time to be alive! Dames, Nothing wrong with that one. Dames was like the harshest thing that you could say. You know, ah, oh, man, it was such a beautiful time. Um, but I wanted to ask you also about this, Bing. So after you had already been very successful, you went on an interview show on television and you lied about the source of your nickname. You made up a story. You said that it was because you liked to play cops and robbers as a kid, and you would take out your your guns and you would go Bing, 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 mm-hmm. shooting your guns. Uh, but that story has proven to be false, and I'm just wondering why you felt it necessary to make up that story, you know? One word there, Jared. Power. Sweet, sweet power. Power. Buy a power over the masses and let them know that I can just exude my power and just let them know, hey, I can lie about my little story right there. Interesting. So in order to feel some control over over the people that you that were listening and then watching this TV show, you just said that lie just as sort of like a, a way to pull the strings? Mainly sort of thing. I mean, I mean, people love cops. People love bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Yeah, and which, I think that seems again, like a fun little story. Not the sound that a gun makes, though. You know, like... Uh, that's, well, a little one. A, a little gun? Yeah, Bing needs a tiny little gun. Maybe if you shot a bell, it would make that noise, but I don't think... <laughs> bing, bong, bell. Bell, bell, bing. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move over to uh, Johannes Gutenberg for just a moment. So, uh, many people consider your invention of the printing press, the movable type printing press, to be one of the most important inventions of all time. Mm, right. uh, in making printing cheaper and faster, it made information more accessible... To everyone, it democratized information in a way that hadn't ever been done before. Information was able to spread across both physical and economic boundaries for the first time in human history. Now, a lot of people have said the same thing about the Internet. And so I'm wondering, 
how uh, if, if you see similarities between like the way that the internet looks today and like the early stages of movable type in your printing yeah, press. Yeah, you know, there is a lot in common. I think that one of the things that uh, the internet allows is speed. Mm, yes. So you can grab your little thingamajous and uh, type in the, mm. your hot take on whatever it is and it's there it is. Everyone can read it. With mm. printing press, you at least had to, you know, you had to take the little letters and mm. put mm-hmm. them in the box and you take a piece yes. of paper and you put the paper. I do not. And, and, then, and then you have to distribute it. I mean, people could read it. So you mm-hmm. could say, the church is lying to you. And the church did not like that. Mm. Like well, I don't understand. You got to respect the church out there, my friend. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, it, it, uh, broadly speaking, it had a lot of uh, the same uh, fomenting of... Uh, Ideas that the powers that be mm. are not so crazy. Interesting. About. So uh, yeah, I I understand that. Obviously, it's much slower pace than the internet, yeah. but I think it probably had. But that's the 15th century for you too. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm imagining that it was just like a slowed down version of what the internet is doing today. Yeah, you know, that plus a life expectancy of like. <laughs> 27 years 27 old. Years you old. know, I mean, I lived longer than that, but. Mm-hmm. Most of the people, you know, the teeth fall out and that's it. Say. And then you're done. Yes. So, you know, you get a couple of pamphlets out there and you made your mark. Mm, yeah. So we're sort of like in the growing pains portion of the Internet right now, I would mm-hmm. say. It's sort of like mm-hmm. the teenage years yeah, we'll figure it out. of the Internet. So, like, it's yes, information is universally available now, but it's also bringing together communities of toxic people like mm. 4chan and uh, and mm. uh, Infowars and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, did you see similar activity like was the invention of the printing press and the fact that now books are so much easier and cheaper to make and ideas are so much easier to distribute. Like, are you seeing things where you're like, oh, that idea would have died if that person hadn't been able to write a book and distribute it so easily, hmm. you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Hmm. Yeah, Jared, you're pretty, pretty good at your job. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you we're know, on 115 episodes now, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was, um, there was this one guy. His name was uh, Adolf Schmutz. Adolf Schmutz. Mm. Okay. Yes, and as it turns out, if you look back at it, the name sort of aptly captured his central, <laughs> you know, take on life. He was mm. a, sort of a... Ugh, sort of an ugh. Yeah. All right. So, you know, one of the things he would do is he would take he would take things that happened to be true and then he would put his own sort of spin on it. So mm. he was spreading lies, uh, you know, also support propping him up as the great guy and also why he should be rich and running things. But there was enough truth in the lies that he wrote that mm. it made them seem kind of credible. And, you oh. know, everybody had access to the printing press, but not everybody. A lot of people were like, who cares? Yeah, I, I'm not going to I can't read anyway, you know. So <laughs> That's it's like, true. What, you know, have fun. <laughs> Yo, go out there and whatever, you nerd. I mean, they didn't call me that. That's a common term. I think in, in my day it was Grandelspütz. Uh, Ooh, Grandelspütz. Oh, yeah. It's not nice. Nerd is kinder today. Could, could you yeah, a, could you give us a loose translation of, of that, of Grandelspütz? Yes, it's like one who has his head up his own anus. Oh, okay. Oh, so, gotcha. You yeah. know, but it's, similar, I it's guess. It's such a beautiful language. German. Yeah, I really do. I think so there, Jack. I really do. Yes, it has the music of barking Dobin pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you know the sounds mm. that dogs make you don't like? It sounds like the German language. <laughs> so, so this guy, Adolf Schmutz, mm. he was, he's, he's distributing information now. Was yeah, yeah. The, were you looking at this and just being like, oh boy. 
This I, is kind of my fault. What have I done over here? Now I give this guy a platform. Because he used to be the kind of guy that would sort of stand in the city square shouting his ideas and everyone would roll their eyes and say... Yeah, just cross the street. Shut your yap. You yeah. Yeah, people want to listen to him more if he saved the day for us by solving a crime. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, I think that's where schmutz comes from. Um, what do you mean, where schmutz comes from? Well, it's a common term today from Yiddish, I think. Schmutz. Schmutz is like you got a little something. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little, dirt, a little thing. I think it comes from him, actually. Hmm. Oh, yeah, because he that's the way that people viewed him. Nah, he was a real skunk. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm. But see, now, it's I, I sort of it's the analogy of like a Jack Dorsey character. It's like you invented Twitter, basically, and now this guy has a way of like distributing his ideas better, mm. you know? And so now it's sort of like you, I don't want to say it's your fault that this pe- these people are now. Please don't. Now I have an audience here, but. Please uh, don't. Yeah. Was, was I, look, any- I, I didn't invent communication. <laughs> no, but you just made it yeah, sure so much easier and better. But, but you know, I would say that ninety-seven percent of everything printed after the printing press was Bibles. Mm, you yeah, know, so shirts oh, used it. Some literature we can all get behind. <laughs> the states, yeah, the and nothing states. bad has ever happened with that. That's definitely well, for sure. Look, for better, uh, for worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of Bibles out there. Uh, let's move back over to Bing Crosby for just a moment. Howdy, so, howdy. you originally left your hometown of Spokane for Hollywood as part of a singing duo with your high school friend, Al Rinker. Yes. Uh, you and Rinker, you eventually started a group called the Rhythm Boys. Oh, I was going to guess that it was called Bing and Rinker. Oh, Bing, and Rinker. Bing and Rinker would have been a great name. Did you guys ever think about that? Well, he pitched it a few times, and I told him, shut up, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you really liked you really like throwing your dick around there, Bing Crosby. Well, that's just the way things are. If you got a big one, you swing it. You get a big one, you swing it around. Yeah, a big one, you swing it. Uh, yeah, Rinker and Bing, Bing, Bing and Rink. Yeah, that would have been a good one, I think. Yeah. I like well, Bing is sharp and Rinker sounds like you're just deflating a tire on the middle of a highway. Rinker. Hmm, Rinker. Rinker rhymes mm. with stinker and hey. <laughs> I'm sure you got a lot of mileage out of that one. Ring, That's ding, true. Ding. Back when you guys were working together. I actually together. had three separate songs that rhymed insults off of his name. Ooh, can we hear a little taste of that? Well, there's a little dinker. That's my partner, Rinker. You got a friend? Well, he is a stinker. Good old Rinker. He can't do shit. Let's beat him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That I got is to the, say, your voice like velvet. My dulcet like tones. Oh, thank you very much. Like Oh, Melting my butter in my yeah. ass. You know what I'd nice. love? I'd love to have like you and Mel Torme doing a duet together. Mm. Did you guys ever do that while you guys were alive? Oh, no, we uh, never had the chance. The two of you, just such velvety voices. You yeah, know? it would have, uh, would have been like from. Velveeta cheese poured on <laughs> anything. Poured it right directly into your ear holes. Right into your ears. You like the idea of Velveeta cheese being poured into your ears? Uh-huh. Well, keep it, listening, folks. It sounds great. So you Where's and Rinker. Survive Velveeta cheese. The cheese, that's not real cheese. <laughs> so you and Rinker, you eventually started a group together called the Rhythm Boys, uh, a group that makes an appearance in the film The King of Jazz. Do you remember that movie, The King of Jazz? Well, I gotta say, I blacked it out. I'm so drunk right now. <laughs> you did. I did read that wa- that you had to film that while you were during daytime work release from jail because you had drunkenly crashed your car into a telephone pole right before that. Is that right? That's true. Like the way of many great artists, I crash my car as many times as possible while intoxicated on alcohol. As many times as possible. It, it almost sounds like you're trying to do that. No, then. that's true. I actively try to drink and put myself in proximity of cars so then I can crash them. Interesting. Why Why would you do that sort of thing, Bill Cr- Bing Crosby? Nothing feels that alive when you're out of, <laughs> when you're so close to death yet still have so much power. Yes. I, I like that movie uh, Crash. 
not the racism one, but, but the, the James Spader, the James one. Spader one, where people you know, can only or- uh, porking all the time in the back seat. Yeah, that's the only way they can come to come to climax is if they're in car crashes together. And stuff. No. You know, I, I, when you say it's a James Spader film, that's the kind of thing. Like, who can we get to be in this crazy movie about mm-hmm. the car crash? I know. Mm. Top of my role. Well, we've got to get James Spader. We've got to get James Spader. In <laughs> and you know who's replaced him in that role is uh, Nicolas Cage now. Nicolas Cage is the James Spader of today. Now that man goes hard. <laughs> he certainly does. So I wanted to ask you, so you you're, you were too drunk to remember the movie The King of Jazz. True. Right? So do you remember even at least like how they were justifying you, this band, being in the movie and then like playing a musical number in the middle of it? Well, I mean, in those sort of days, people cared a little bit more about the music than the story in these mm. sort of movies. So you didn't need a strong justification, but you needed a little bit. So what we always said is we would have the action of the movie happening. And then we just cut to, you know, this movie's boring. Let's go watch a musical number right now. <laughs> sorry, so, so <laughs> wait, there were actual movies back then where someone would turn to the camera and go, this, this movie's <laughs> boring. Let's let's hear, let's hear see this band play real quick. That's true. For example, if you had sort of a Mickey Rooney uh, and that other gal he always did musical numbers with doing uh, uh, the lady from uh, The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland. Yes, yeah, if you had a Mickey Rooney, Judy, Judy Garland piece, mm-hmm. they'd be saving a fundraiser for some town. And at some point, they just say, oh, hooey, this story is garbage. This let's movie stinks. A, let's, let's watch a little number from Bing and the Boys. <laughs> Sometimes they wouldn't even say that. They'd just be, you know, taking a walk down the street and then... As you're strolling and seeing the world go by, they would just pass a full orchestra mm-hmm. and already playing, and they would just mid sentence be like, I don't know, sweetie, pop my boy. Is this the Tatanooka choo choo? And then, then you'd have the little thing, they would, and then the, it would just end. Yeah. And they'd go back to it. Well, that's the truth of the movies at the time. I'm ashamed you didn't get to see this, uh, Gutenberg fellow, but. Uh, oh, I've seen The King of Jazz. Oh, well, well, oh you, you know The King of Jazz? Yes, see. Oh. see? Well, I'm, uh, well, I'm learning Spanish. <laughs> if you're, uh, Spanish. How's it sound so far? <laughs> if you're just joining us. Uh, oye, como va? If you're just joining us. I don't us, understand. Guys, this is, I haven't learned that much yet. I got to do station ID, guys. I got to do All station right, ID. have it your way. If you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 15th century German blacksmith and inventor of the printing press, Johannes Gutenberg. It's me. And 20th century American actor and singer, Bing Crosby. Remember to drink your Ovaltine. So, yeah, what was the plot of The King of Jazz, Johannes oh, Gutenberg? Oh, it was I mean, I don't disagree uh, with Mr. Crosby that uh, the, the plot was a little thin. Okay, mm-hmm. thin plot. Was a little thin. Mm-hmm. But um, it was. A, have you ever seen The Man Who Would Be King? I have not seen Sean The Man Who Would Be King. Sean Connery and uh, my, a young. Are we talking about Michael a similar, similar movie? Well, in the sense that they, the two protagonists, Mr. Crosby and I, was it? Bob Hope, who was the other? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Hope? Oh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> right think on you the guys, first guess. I didn't think you guys had teamed up that early, but I guess, you know, just the miracle uh, of Hollywood. They're out in the jungle, uh, mm-hmm. populated by, I believe, this was common at the time, but a bunch of white actors in blackface playing Ooh, natives offensive. of some kind. And uh, they we didn't stumble think it was a into... problem at the time. It was <laughs> just course. playing pretend. Of course. They stumble into a tribe who uh, loves chess and... Um, you know, and they they convince them that they are gods oh, by fun. by being great singers and and uh, there's a wonderful number where they anoint uh, Bob Hope as the king of jazz 
and uh, you know, ultimately behead him because they mm. realize he's he's not in fact a deity. Ooh, dark. Which I thought was grim, even yeah. most of the time. That was a bold move. Uh, to ahead of its time, way. the King of Jazz. Yeah. It was literally ahead of its time. If you catch my drift. Now I wanted to. I don't uh, know what you're getting at. Off its time. It's classic wordplay there. You claim yourself a comedian there, pal. You but, know, uh, I'm a little hungover today, so you're gonna have to give me the benefit of the doubt. R.I.P. Junior Varsity. <laughs> Okay, you understand hangovers, Bing. You're familiar with them. I always feel them. So, uh, I wanted to ask you, before we move back over to Johannes Gutenberg, about what happened to Al Rinker after the Rhythm Boys broke up. Because after the Rhythm Boys break up, you, of course, go on to become this massively successful solo artist I do. of music and film. Uh, whatever happened to your old buddy, Al Rinker? He's the weather man. Well, he... See <laughs> the weatherman? You know, Al Rinker? He had talked... No, you're thinking of a different fellow. That's Al Roker, Johannes. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, easy there, Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know this? This was my friend's catchphrase for me. I was like, wait, wait, what? Easy there, Gutenberg. That's what easy people used there, to say Gutenberg. to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone had catchphrases in the 15th century. Oh, wow. Well, you fit right into my time because we had catchphrases left and right. Can you give did me an example? Did I say that? Can, I, can you give me an example, Johannes Gutenberg, or something that you would have done where somebody would have then used the catchphrase? What was it again? Uh, yeah, uh, easy there, Gutenberg. Easy there, Gutenberg. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this, so what, fun time, this is fun time. Well, I mentioned schmutz. Schmutz. Adolf Schmutz. I, <laughs> I wanted to get him because he really was sort of giving me a bad name. Like everyone was looking at me like, why did you want to the planet? But now mm -hmm. this guy is right. Now everybody can hear this dude talk. That's right. That's right. So... What I actually did was uh, one of the things that I knew he was fond of was this sort of meat pie. Mm. Oh. So I went to his favorite place and I bought a meat pie and I took some horse apples from the street. and I stuffed it into his meat pie and I gave it to him. And then he ate it right there on the street and threw up. Right? Mm -hmm. And I kicked him in the face ah, as he was leaning over vomiting. And my, my buddy slapped me on the back and he said, <laughs> Oh man, that is classic. Is good yeah, that's, just, that's just good old fashioned horseplay that's right there. Classic 14 Whatever. <laughs> Somewhere around. I guess I was only around 10 by then. But I gotta you know. say, I agree hey, with your no. friends. I think that might have been a little overkill. You already fed this guy uh, horse shit. You know, like that's that's what horse apples mean. Well, right? you know, a little bit of horse shit ended up in everything you ate. I thought that's what horse apples yeah, meant. That it was horse shit. What yes, it? it was. But oh, okay. you know, I mean, there wasn't modern sanitation. Uh, no. Things see, were filthy. So you didn't think it was enough of a prank just putting horse no, shit in there? I needed something to make him lean over. Gotcha. If I said, "Hey, bend over so I can kick you in the face," he wouldn't have done it. He's, he wouldn't have done no, that. He, he was an instant jerk, but he wasn't an idiot. Now we still haven't gotten to the to the bottom of what happened to your old oh, sorry, partner, no, that's all right, Al Rinker, Big Crosby. You know, I may have taken a page out of your book because I also fed Rinker a pie with horse apples in it. And <laughs> oh then my! It's a classic. It's a only just a goodie. We just make sure that we call them. It, horse shit, just so that we're not confusing anybody who's listening, because maybe they oh, think... Oh, no, I use my own feces. Horse of, oh, so you put in some Bing Crosby feces into this pie yeah, or whatever. Probably, it was probably the best part of tasting part of that pie. <laughs> probably got drunk. <laughs> that was just pure bourbon at that point. Okay, so you, you feed him this pie. Did, did you already know that you were leaving the group to become a solo artist, or well, was this just like... I knew it was going to happen. I've been thinking about it for a while, but I wanted to make the hint clear. So I fed him that pie. He peeled over. He vomited. I kicked him, and then I killed him. Oh, you killed him? <laughs> well, that's... Oh, my God. 
friend. Well, uh, you, well, kill is sort of a loose term and that I've been forced to reconcile is with. Is it? What? Is it a loose term? I think it's a very specific term. I that one. my time, everything's sort of loose around here. Mm-hmm. What's what's misogyny? What's murder? Oh, you we know? know. We know now. Oh, we know all those things. Specific to me. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know, you say murder. I say I buried him under a nice flow. And Let's left him call to the, the whole thing up. Say <laughs> murder. I say murder. murder. You say murder. <laughs> I say murder. Wait, so you, you buried him under a what? An ice flow. An ice flow. Wow. Yes. You ever want to see it? I believe it's a sort of thing, and this is what I assume. It was a giant chunk of ice underneath Lake Michigan. Mm, okay. We were doing a little show at the time. I fed him the pie. I put him under the flow and said, remember, I was always the better one. Wow. Insulting well, be careful, injury. you know, because with the global warming, I think that Ooh, might, he might find his body again bobbing soon. back up to the surface. That's really exciting. Oh, that's yeah. true. It could freeze over. Well, maybe they'll find the note I left on him. Oh, you, you wrote you a note, to cover too. Your tracks. Yeah, what, what are the notes they've been, Crosby? Love and kisses. Bing Love and Crosby. kisses, Crosby. Okay, so uh, that's not very damning then, because like you guys were partners for a long time. No, yeah. they would say, "Oh, isn't this sweet?" Circumstantial. What a crime, but his buddy loved him to the end. Circumstantial evidence. Well, that's always the thing. You throw a little charm on there, people forgive you for anything. Mm. A Ooh, spoonful of sugar. That's right. Helps give the, the old, go down. Give the old razzle dazzle. They say. Ding dong. Ding uh, dong. So let's go back over to Johannes Gutenberg for just a moment. So one of the side effects of the printing press and now mass production of easily accessible books one of the side is the one of the side effects yes is uh, the unrestricted circulation of information yeah. now threatens the political and religious authorities oh, yeah. having an educated populace makes it harder to rule over them so obviously you got some very powerful communities who don't want that to happen did you ever see any pushback from these powerful <laughs> entities either either like now, After they realize what was I happening. I don't know what you know about the Catholic Church. Mm, okay. Mm. Uh, there were people were burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. People were stuck on spikes. They people, did a lot of bad stuff. I even saw a Sounds like sort of necessary stuff. I'm sorry, necessary stuff? Well, yeah. they would have certainly said so. Uh, yeah, there was some, uh, you can't see the air quotes, but pushback pushback from the catholic church yeah, really they did not like it you I had mean, to be you were pretty printing, secret about it you were printing secret. so many bibles well that was my thing that was my little love note it was and like hey, hey not me i do that. i just read the bible you mm-hmm. guys so how did this how did this manifest like did they ever come to your shop and were oh, like yeah yeah ooh do they try to do they try to muscle you johannes gutenberg it was like the um, the um what's the english group from the 70s the monty snake monty monty python, python. yes uh, Nobody expects that. No, this was not the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. But they would come busting in in the stupid hats and the long robes. Mm-hmm. You know, and say, if I had a lady friend over there, rough <gasps> her up a little bit. I oh was real jerks. They would oh. beat up the woman you were with? No, they beat me up too. Oh my God. She didn't do anything. She didn't invent Poor girl, she was just there. Revolutionized the entire. Yeah. Well, yeah. sorry you went through that, but I'm sure the Catholic Church was justified in all those actions. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not complaining. I mean, you asked the question, but yeah, I think that things. I had no idea. I thought, look, I was, I see now how naive I was. I thought, oh, people will print jokes. Like, you know, people loved, um, people loved little poems and silly people would always brighten each other's day with the little, I don't know if it was technically a limerick at the time, but a little, you know, we had a word in German, the um, Spiegel uh, was a, a poetic form that was like, Sort of like a haiku, was little, mm. it had a little mm. rhyme in it. And so I thought, oh, you know, people will put out, they will write it down to share it. <sighs> Almost immediately, people were like, do you know why we must kill this group or that group? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
or yeah, this is what that. we don't like about Catholicism. This is what we don't like about the Pope. I you know. know. I was uh, like, this is down this Pope. I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah, unintended consequences. Early on, people would assign their name to it. You know, mm-hmm. they print their name. Well, that didn't last long. <laughs> oh. <laughs> of course. So that wait, changed so, pretty fast. So the so the Catholic Church is now sending uh so you know guys to goons to go rough you up rough up your girl hmm. do you ever think i gotta shut down this printing press man well, well. no no well oh that's a good catholic man well, right there. first of all you first of all you know it's a printing press itself it's not like i had one printing press and mm-hmm. i you know and there was a big switch i could like turn it off and then printing would stop I mean, I mean, you know, it, I, I, these, these ideas already it, existed. I took, I took uh, machinery and concepts that existed in agriculture and other things. I brought them together. I said, oh, you know, I could make it cheap and easy, and you could use this and put the levers there and mm-hmm. put the crank, and I bet that would really do the trick. Yeah, you can't, you know. And put, once the cat's out of the bag, it's like, whoop. Yeah, you can't people put, are like, hey. Do I want uh, yours gold about the place over here? So then they, they, every Yahoo knocks off a, you know, and has uh, a copy of the machine and mm-hmm. it's uh, off and running. I couldn't shut it down if I wanted to. Okay, but I mean, like, listen, if you shut down at least your printing press, maybe the Catholic Church would have stopped sending goons over to your place. And well, I had like a big blanket I'd throw over the thing, you know. Make oh, a dusty hide it? old blanket. Yeah, they'd come in and I'd be, oh, this old I haven't been <laughs> using this for. <laughs> They were toughs, but they weren't always the smartest. Did you keep like a bag of dust so oh, you could like know. throw throw dust on the blanket <laughs> dust. and be like, be like, oh look, it's all dusty. I haven't touched it. In a I while. had a, a I had a torch on the wall. I pulled a torch and it would swing around behind Ooh, a fake wall. Savvy. Oh, very nice. That's very, very nice. smart. Did you ever do anything like that to hide your alcoholism, Ben Crosby? Uh, no, everybody knew similar? about it. Everybody knew about it. Well, it was a different time. It was a know? different time. You know, the press mm-hmm. wouldn't report on these sort of things. You yeah. know, I mean, if I was drunk in the middle of the night, you know, the press would have the courtesy to. Say, oh, Bing had another day donating to charity. <laughs> wow, what a bunch of sweethearts. Unfortunately, we got to take a short break, uh, but we'll be right back with Bing Crosby and Johannes Gutenberg on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super fun and I want that money. Also, go check out jaredbranson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash people and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I am your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 15th century German blacksmith and inventor, the man who revolutionized the written word with his movable type printing press, Johannes Gensfleisch Zur Leiden Zum Gutenberg. 
That's me. And yeah. we also have, of course, 20th Century American actor and singer, the world's first multimedia star, Bing Crosby. Oh, my name's Bing Crosby. Ooh. Oh, I get Ooh, chills every time so I hear nice. that. That's yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank that you is there. a billion dollar voice that right there. Sure. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Bing Crosby. Uh, so you were coming to prominence just as the Great Depression uh, was hitting America. That's right. And there's an audio engineer named Steve Hoffman who claims that you saved the record business during the Great Depression in 1934 by suggesting that you lower the price of singles from a dollar to 35 cents. Is that right? Oh, that's very true. You know, the working man out there has got to have something to listen to. You need mm -hmm. something to enjoy yourself off of. But more than anything else, there was nothing out there to get people horny. Nothing out there to get people horny besides music, of course. No music. I mean, people may have been out of work, but they didn't know what to do with the parts that they've been given with by Sweet Jesus. That's right. We have nothing to do now that we're out of our job. I guess we should just bone a little bit more. That's a little but bit. But what are we going to do to get the fire started, man? Well, all those depressed people, they're not about to start boning. So oh, they need to put right. a little bit of mood music on, mm -hmm. which is where Sweet Bing came in at 35 cents on the record. Okay, so were there other suggestions that you made to the record industry to help keep them afloat while the American economy was tanking so hard? That's true. If more than anything else, we promoted the theme of fertility in songs. Ooh, okay. So this was like uh, another part of your strategy was not just make the singles... Uh, cheaper to access, but also to sort of like inject a little more sexual innuendo. Um, um, sexual innuendo, specifically in the missionary position. No other Ooh. position should be allowed, just mm. the missionary position. It's, yeah, it's very. Uh, it seems limiting to sales. Conservative I... time, but of course, but you know, listen, you you gotta sort of like. Sometimes it's good to have a focus. focus sometimes it's good to have mm. like a narrow audience, and that nice. way. People I mean, know what to expect. I mean, people know my hits, but you ever hear my B-sides? They're all about producing as many American children as possible. Ooh, you know what? Catholic I, American I, children. I hate to I hate to ask Bing Crosby, but can we get a little taste of one of these famous Catholic boning B-sides? Oh, of course. You know. Well, you're fine. There's a way to get that missus to scream and shout. But the only girl you need is to pop them children out. Oh, make sure they believe in Jesus, but before the wife, you gotta please us. Oof. Pop oh. out those kids. <laughs> That's where it picks up best. Yeah. Pop, Pop out, out those kids. kids. We need those Catholic American kids. Pop out those kids. Pop out those kids. In the missionary position exclusively. Hey, you know my hits. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, I, as soon as you started singing it, I was like, I think I know this one. Yeah, I think I heard, back, like a I think fine I heard this one. You know, I used, I, it's I, got to catch you. It's like a toe tapper. Yeah, it really is. It kind of gets you. Uh, so it seems like, you know, things got worse in the uh, uh, depression. You know, like you were doing your part to make people feel better. That's true. In addition to, uh, you know, like making making the, uh, the industry, uh, giving a little life to the industry. Uh, and that's wonderful. Uh, well, thank you. No, back one ever, no one ever thanks me for things anymore. <laughs> that just felt real nice. Well, we'll get to why that <laughs> thank is. Thank you, Bing. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit later in the interview. Probably why that happened. So, uh, let's go back to Johannes Gutenberg for just a moment. So, there's not a lot that we know about your early life. We know that your father was mostly was very likely a metal worker, a goldsmith, probably made coins. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that you were forced to leave your he home. He was an alchemist. An alchemist? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so like he was trying to make. Trying, uh, he did it. He could turn lead into gold. Your oh. your father could turn lead into gold. Yeah, the problem was it wasn't very cost efficient. Hmm, interesting. So okay. I would you think say, oh, be... well, why weren't you like so? But 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 please, 
if if it costs you more to turn a pound of lead into gold than the gold you get, then why mm -hmm. would you do it? I mean, you do it once to be like, hey, look what I can do. That's but, true. You know, other than you know, and it's not even a good party conversation because nobody believes you. No, no. Oh, but you couldn't. You, you show them the gold you make. Well, yeah, you show them the gold. They just you. That's not lead. You turn it to gold. This is gold. It's just gold that you bought at the store. That's yeah, fair. So, so you know, he went into he worked with metals and did other stuff too. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so you were forced to leave your hometown of Mainz mm -hmm. uh, because of an uprising. We know about that, and we also know that in 1437, you're in your late 30s at this point. It is believed that you were your job was instructing tradesmen how to polish gems. Yeah. Um, and also, and I found this interesting, same year. It's you're living. Your name comes up on a court document in connection with a broken promise of marriage to a woman named Enelin. Mm. And now the Wikipedia doesn't say what your connection was to this woman, if she was supposed to marry you, or if you were just like a bystander in this case somehow, but it says that you were connected to the case. Would you clear this up for us? You're in your 30s, you're teaching dudes how to polish gems, and you're somehow involved in this broken promise of marriage to a woman named Enelin. Yeah, okay, so it's, it's juicy. Mm. And it's going to make me look a little bit bad. Okay. Well, this uh, by know, today's standards, I there's say no this judgments. Now. There's okay. no judgments. I say here. this now. I would not do it again today. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it was a different time. So, mm. so in addition to the gem polishing deal, uh, you know, one of the things that not everybody just said, "Oh, I'm a normal guy. I have a bunch of gems I'd like to polish." So. Most of the people that polish the gems, there's the jewelers, mm -hmm. okay? But then there were also, there was a criminal element. Like, I think of today, you have, like, the Bitcoin, and you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, nerds who say, oh, Bitcoin be worth a lot of money. And then you also have the criminals who say, I can launder my money this way, Ooh, right? Well, you could do the same okay. thing with gems. Oh, I but see. But you needed sometimes to polish the gems to make them not look like the gems that were stolen from the whatever. So, oh, so the polishing okay. was sort of like It was sort disguising. of like laundering oh. the gems. You know, okay. you could take some money and you could buy a bunch of gems in one place. And uh, then you could polish them up or you could cut them slightly differently and you'd sell them in a different place. And not, nobody asked too many questions because they wanted the gems. They properly knew what this guy doing with a sack full of gems. You know? Right, 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 right. Kind of crazy, but... Again, you know, everybody yeah. happy. You don't want to think too much about where they came from. So, um, you know, another thing that they would sometimes do uh, is when they would cross the border, Germany, Germany at the time had pretty secure borders. Mm. And uh, they were very nationalistic even then. Uh, so if you were going to cross the German border, you needed... Uh, an associate needed a tie of marriage or family. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and one of the things that these criminals would do, to, they would use the people as a sort of a mule today. You say a drug mule. Mm. So they would do this with the gems. Okay. Okay. So, so somebody promised to marry this woman, Enlin. That's right. As now, part of a... It wasn't me, but I was working with... You know, so I was expected to meet her. What I didn't expect was that I would think she was so nice. She oh. was very pretty, and she was very kind. And, you know, it's not a comfortable thing. You think how many places you've got on your body to hide a right. bunch of gems. Right. None of them are comfortable places. Yeah, there's like I one don't, place. I know this is no. a family there's show. There's like one place. Maybe, well, it is not a family well, show. Well, it's not a family show. Wild. <laughs> but, uh, yes, exactly. The imagination runs wild because, uh, you know, there wasn't... Now you say, well, you can't stuff that much heroin into a balloon it's gonna pop as a balloon you're gonna die i, I have to imagine 
The problem with gems was even worse. Yes. Gems. Sharper. Well, you're talking about, like you know, you're talking about the 15th century. People didn't really understand anatomy that well. They thought, mm -hmm. oh, just, I'll just it'll come out, right? I'm sure it's like, no, oh, man, no, so. that's not how it works. <laughs> this is not how it works. What are you talking about? Other thing comes out of there. Other so, stuff comes out of so there. She, Why would the gems come out of there? She that's came true. and I had agreed for a small fee to meet her and to, to sort of vouch for her. Mm. And, uh, it was the poor girl was in such agony. I was going to say physical discomfort, but that didn't catch it. She was really, really hurting. And, mm. I, you know, there, there were surgeons at the time. Uh, you know, they weren't just lying around. Like, you had to go to the guy. Had to find one. They were right. known people. And you, you, there wasn't a lot of, like, back alley surgery mm -hmm. <laughs> going, mm -hmm. going on. Not if you wanted to survive it. And of you course. didn't have a great survival rate anyway. Do you mind if I interrupt really quickly? I just want to clear up some things. Well, so this woman, Anna Lynn, was promised to be married to somebody in connection with it was these, a sham. It was just gem, to get her into, smuggling. into yeah. the country. So then she puts all these gems in her in her person. In her. And she's very uncomfortable about it. Yes. And so do you then break up the marriage in order to, to save her life no, or no, something? No, no, she died. Oh, she died. Oh, she that's died. That's so funny no, she, that they... She, I'm so sorry I left that. No, she didn't survive it. It wasn't just discomfort. Wow. It, it was like... I think she had swallowed some of them. Oh, and like nobody walked her through it. They're just like, you know, take hide care these. of these, you know, hide these in the, there you go, Fraulein, gotcha. and uh, get in there. And uh, that's oh. so funny that they would describe that as a broken promise of marriage. It just shows you how misogynistic it was back then. That's true. That they well, were like, this well, woman died. But it's also a little bit, what I mean, it's also a little bit of kindness. I mean, I'm not defending, I'm just saying, what are you going to put on the desk? You put it on a certificate, she died from the ingestion of. Of gems? Smuggling of illegal gems? gems? No. Isn't it kinder to say broken marriage promise? That's and true. then, you know, she was interred, I think, in a mass grave. It's tragedy, really. Yeah. A, okay. Well, that's a shame, but I'm not opposed to just a broken marriage being the only flaw of a lady. Mm, I'm sorry, what? Being a broken marriage, the only flaw of a lady. Don't you remember my B-side? The B-side of broken, broken marriage. Sing it, B. <laughs> Well, I guess wait, hold on a second before you sing this song. <laughs> and a two, and a three. I'm just curious about the morality of this song. Like, like a broken marriage is the only flaw of a woman. I don't know. Like, I'm not even sure if it's misogynistic. I think it's just vague. You know, am well, I wrong? It, it wouldn't track well these days or most days, but in my time, it <laughs> but Tuesdays and Saturdays it was fine. <laughs> but Tuesdays, Saturdays from 1947 for a few more years. Mm -hmm. that Attract just you'd have, you'd have gotten along got gangbusters in the 15th century. I'll oh, tell you yeah. A lot, the, the morality had not shifted that far. Uh, they did that love time. singers. They did we love thought, singers. You know, we had yeah, a lot of stuff singers. we didn't have back then. We had singers. Of course. That, you had so little way of entertaining yourself. Singing I myself was ones. a songwriter. Ooh. I didn't mention that. Yes, I wrote. In fact, did you ever use your press to print out some of your songs? I love yes, to hear. Of course, I've wrote yeah. out some songs. In fact, I actually wrote the song Chantilly Lace. Really? Chantilly Popularized Lace. by the Big Bopper. Chantilly Lace and a Pretty Face, Ponytail. Chantilly Lace, hanging oh, down. Lace and the Ponytail, we're hanging down. These oh, big lanes of all and the big lanes of talk. Makes oh, the world makes go round. Makes the world go round, That's why I'm not the greatest singer in the world, but I thought it was a catchy tune. Yeah, no. That's what that was. And, uh, but that wasn't... It was lost. I printed it, and they busted in the door, and I pulled the lever. Round mm -hmm. it went. I'd only printed a few copies of it. Oh, no. It must have gotten caught up in the breeze of the thing, because where did it go? Right? Mm -hmm. And I, I was forced at that point. They had 
caught on to the fact. You know, they heard the sound every time they came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they knew so you were still you printing. Ne- now, you never do any printing. You and I was were like, still printing. So I ran. Yes, now I here's, ran. Now, here's my curiosity. And they must have survived history because imagine my surprise when I hear, I'm like, <laughs> I, I wrote these songs. I know that song. Yeah, copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't, we didn't have. Well, yeah. if you worked with me, we didn't have that problem either. Mm-hmm. We uh, would like break a leg or two. We'd right? break a leg or two, and boom, the song was ours. Yeah, so just... or maybe uh, we put a couple of uh, vodka tonics in old Bing here. Maybe he uh, um, accidentally drives his car into your house or something. <laughs> you know? Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> bing, 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 indeed. Let's yeah. go back over to Bing Crosby for just a moment. Of so course. You did a lot of work to support the military during World War II. Uh, in fact, a magazine called Yank, which I think is a terrible name, for a magazine. I think they were trying to go on Once like... Once patriotic, but now masturbatory. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, it said that you were the person who had done most for the morale of the overseas servicemen during World War II. So, Yank Magazine said this about you. That's true. And I have... You gotta grow <laughs> up, Johannes. Even Come I, on, Johannes. Even I would not have printed something called Yank Magazine. Okay. Even in the 15th century, that's we, what we call it. We would have been like, okay. Well, we were try- they were trying their best to find a double entendre for patriotism. I bet, and so- I bet the, the soldiers bought it like hotcakes. Yeah, they really stumbled into that one. It was their main hobby before I got there. Yeah, ooh, it was. I wonder if that was, uh, that was their intention. Like, somebody's like, ooh, Yank Magazine, okay. Spent a lot of time they, on this boat. They open it up and it's just like, oh, damn it. Oh, God oh, damn it. Oh, what you got there, Private? It's just an article about Bing Crosby. God well, damn it. Well, I do take pride in that in fact, the mm. number one activity of soldiers prior to the USO was masturbation. Mm, okay. And then after... Not just the soldiers. Yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Well, who else? Well, <laughs> throw a dart in the air. I think you probably find it's more more common in the male, but I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a scientist. Mm. Well, if you just have men Everybody's around... Everybody's doing it. Well, mm. if you just have men around and you don't have ladies, well, there's just going to be one thing you end up doing. <laughs> but I am proud to say that after the USO started making its tours... We became the second most popular thing soldiers <laughs> did. Go see a Bing Crosby show. So you were doing live appearances before the American troops. That's true. Uh, you would read propaganda broadcasts intended for the Germans. So you would read these in German, right? Uh, yes, indeed. I do my best German, which was passable. <laughs> okay. Do you remember some of the things that like translated you were saying to these German troops to try to hurt their morale and try to help the war effort for the Americans? Well, we really try to get in their head because if I'm on there, I'm a familiar voice, something they might want to trust. So I just really wanted to peg them down. So the I... Germans in their foxholes listening to this and they're just like, oh my God. That's Bing Crosby. That was the goal. And what was he? What were you saying to them? Well, there was some more typical stuff like "You'll never beat us." Your your goal is hopeless. But mm-hmm. I like to, like to get a little bit more personal and say things along Ooh, the lines. Oh, did you improvise, Bing Crosby? They told me not to, and yet I did. <laughs> okay, so what were some of the things that you would say? Some of the off scripts. Propaganda, well, uh, uh, uh pretend I am messages. German soldiers sitting in the foxhole. Oh, that's okay. a reach. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I, I say things along the lines of, hey, you there, what's your name, Johannes? Johan? Well, your ass cheek on the left side is a little larger than the one on the right. Ooh, okay. I'd get personal. That's pretty lightly insulting. Your, right? your food is... Just okay. Okay. And high in sodium. Wow. Do you know, it's actually I, it's different than I imagine because it's rather civil. Yeah. I was such as it's like, really hey there, Fritz. You think you're going to beat us? Yeah, you, you can't. You, you're well, strudel and I'm, we're going to poke yeah. pie your hat. Think, Crosby, you were way harsher to your own children than you were to the German I troops. I didn't want to say anything about <laughs> it. Well, at least those Germans were fighting for a cause they believe. 
Did you, instead of, instead no, of my kids. I, now's that you've raised the topic, and I, you know, I don't tell anyone how to raise their kids, but. Well, before you, before we, you get to this, Johannes, for those of you who are just joining us, listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, my guests today are 20th century American actor and singer Bing Crosby. I famously beat my kids. And 15th century German blacksmith and inventor of the printing press, Johannes Gutenberg. I invented the printing press. And Johannes was just about to bring up some very painful allegations that uh, Bing well, Crosby... I wasn't going to accuse anything. I was just going to ask, was they very naughty or what's the deal? Yeah, why'd you hit your kids so much, Bing Crosby? Well, I had two families and the first one wasn't the charm. You know what I mean? I, didn't have, I didn't need a I third. do. Good. <laughs> I know precisely what you mean. But to go in detail, those that first family of mine, well, they weren't too happy that mommy and daddy didn't make it work out. But mm. uh, they were always asking for money and whatnot and they just wouldn't shut up. Mm. They may yammer in the corner while I try to drink quietly and look out my window. I see. And so daddy needs a little quiet. So maybe maybe get the backhand, you know, every now and again. Is yeah. that right? That's the old familiar tale. What you don't know is that those kids were yodlers. They were yodlers? Oh. That's true. They thought they could follow father's footsteps and yodel. Knock, okay. knock, knock. Who's there? Little old lady. Little old lady, lady who? Oh. Ah, see, now you two are yodelers as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's um, a good one. I printed that one on my printed that is. It's a good thing you were alive years before the World War II conflict, because I would have shot you on sight for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he would have given you some very, very gentle criticisms in the hope of destroying your morale. Or he would have beat me to sleep with his belt. That's yeah. me. Brutal murders or light insults. Yeah. It's like a, it's like, you know, to, to, you know, a real night and day here with with Bing Crosby. I did read that you had some very creative punishments for your children. Like, in addition to just physical abuse, you would sometimes, like, if they left something lying on the ground, like a pair of shoes or, like, a sweater or something, you would force them to wear it around their neck until bedtime as, like, punishment for that? They should live with their shame. Hmm, okay. What they didn't tell them is whatever it was, I forced them to eat it at the end of the day. You had to eat the thing after you took it off your neck. They they left a sweater on the ground. That sweater was in their stomach before the day was over. Now, that's that's how you teach a kid not to leave their stuff on the ground. They didn't leave any jewels on the ground. Well, the (laughs) downside is my kids apparently loved the taste of objects. Interesting. Okay. And so they were like, little does he know, I'm about this. It backfired pretty quickly. Oh, I see. Now, uh, one of your other sons, he defended you saying that the guy who wrote this tell-all book about the abuse, uh, he was like, he's a whining, bitching crybaby. And he said, yeah, Bing was strict, but my father never beat us black and blue. Uh, now, would you say that uh, this, your, uh, one, one of your younger sons was, had the right idea? Or, do you, or would you say, like, no, yes, I really did beat my kids severely? Yes and yes. <laughs> okay. My son Stand had the right up. idea, and I absolutely beat those kids. Fair enough. But, but that child. one was smart enough to get a long game, you know. He, he knew how to play. He knew that some tough loving was all you needed sometimes. I see. Okay, that makes a little bit of sense. And that's why I left that child everything <laughs> I had once I passed. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Now he's the king of jazz. Now mm-hmm. he's the king of jazz. <laughs> In fact, these days I'm told he sits reenacting that movie with full makeup. Ooh, fun. And that's not creepy at all. Uh, let's move back over to Johannes Gutenberg for just a moment. So uh, I want to talk about your move from polishing gems to doing movable types. I thought because... you were going to say I want to talk about your movie. Um, oh, you did a movie? 
Yeah. You wrote a, you oh, wrote I thought a movie? That's why you invited me out to the show to talk uh, about my cross promotion. You wrote, We're at Sundance right now. You wrote a movie that's in Sundance right now. Yeah, it's about me inventing the printing press. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's get a title. What's the title of this movie that you wrote, Johannes? Johan and the Press. Johan and the Press. I like it. It's very simple. Very obvious. I like it. And so it's sort of like, I'm guessing, you know, general 3X structure. You, you're you a young boy. You're, you're looking out at the stars and you're like, oh, God, there should be a way to print books cheaper. And then throughout the movie, you you learn a little bit more about yourself. And you, the of course, the apex being that you eventually invent the printing press and everybody's happy. You're the yeah. hero. Is that right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. DiCaprio oh, wow. plays me. Oh, DiCaprio. Oh, yes. yeah. Good well, get. Well, I heard you got Christoph Waltz for the picture as well. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. He plays my father. Your father. Oh, I okay. could see that pretty easily. Was he, uh, Was so what's the father character like in the movie? Is it like a, a, a nurturing dad or is it more of a Bing Crosby type? No, no, it's nurture. Have you seen the trailer for uh, his uh, other, his big release? This is a small movie, even mm. the big A-listers mm. uh, aside. We have a small budget, but uh, it's uh, the Battle Angel. Bat- oh, Alita. Yeah, Alita Battle Angel. The trailer where he's trying oh, to protect yeah. her, keeping her from realizing what a genius she actually is. Well, that's what he does in this movie. Oh, interesting. Mm. Oh, Johannes Nine. You mustn't create a... It will change the world. You're too much of a genius. <laughs> and I say, we got that kid from Stranger Things to play the little me. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Well, that's He's great. Yeah, All yeah, those yeah. kids are so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, let's let's talk about this. So that's what the movie is, yeah. right? Let's talk about in real life, you moving from being a gem polisher to being a guy that invents movable type. Because there's not a lot of information on Wikipedia about this. We know that in 1439, you were somehow involved in this citywide event that was like going to be a parade or something, you're yeah. going to show off a bunch of relics. Yeah. Then there was a flood that delayed the event, oh, yeah. and the investors all wanted their money back. And in order to satisfy them, you said, "I will share with you a secret." Mm-hmm. Oh. And many people think that that secret that you're going to share with them is this invention of yours, this movable type invention. Is that right? Is that how you were? Well, it's it's the secret that I did end up sharing with them. Ooh, but okay. the secret I initially had in mind was a flying machine. A Ooh, flying machine. Okay. Yeah. That you hadn't invented yet. Well, I had sort of thought it up and I had made some sketches, but uh, so, yeah, so you hadn't invented ultimately it yet. I didn't well, you hadn't I, hadn't, invented it yet. I hadn't made a prototype, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's you know, you uh, Oh, but you know, Michelangelo right his flying machine is a well. Can I see it? Where is it? I mean, I got his drawers. Yeah, he made it. I don't see it. Come on. Oh, that was a spot on Michelangelo. (laughs) That was a pretty good impression. I invented the flying machine, okay? You drew a drawing, a flying machine. You drew it on paper. Yeah. Now yeah, I'm all depressed. Right? Now you didn't believe me. No, no I don't no, believe you. I'm just trying to be clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had drawings, but then I decided I'm not going to give these people my. That's the flying machine is going to be a lot bigger. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. I mean, yes, if people could print and read, that'd be great. Yes. Right? You can make some money off these. These sh- schmucks could figure out a way to make some money off of that. But uh, I thought if I use them as a flying machine, I'm never going to see any of that. Mm, yeah. So I sat on it, literally. Mm-hmm. You sat on the plans underneath your butt. They came in and they said, where is, what is it? And I, I, I was like, oh, and I stuffed it under my bottom because right then I was like, I can't give these guys this. You got a running theme of stuffing things up there. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> so then what? So then did you say, I'll give you guys the printing press instead? Like that'll be the way that you satisfy them? Yeah, yeah. I said, uh, what is that? What you got there? And I said, oh, that's nothing. Don't worry. But uh, here's the thing. Um, what if you took little casts 
letters and you put them on the thing with the crank and the lever and then you could instead of having hand write it all out there you could just make a print it for them okay and, and what do they say hmm, what's the way what's the what's it made of I said, well, it's sort of an alloy of this, you know, nickel and a little bit of lead. And said, oh, well, it'll be cheap. You can cast this. I was like, yeah, yeah, you can cast quick. There was a 15, there was a yeah. four. And I said, oh, that, we can make a lot of money off of this. And they were delighted. Okay, so then you, did you give them a piece? Were you like, I'll give you 10% of everything yeah, I make? Well, off I of basically this? just gave them the, the idea. Oh, big messed up right there. You want to get the royalties. So then you told them about it, and then they invented the printing yeah, press? Yeah, that's why you, when you said, did you shut down the printing press? I was like, well, <laughs> once the cat's out of the bag, I mean, uh, I I stopped printing when they came around, but everybody else was also printing. because so, they, had, they had factories they could use to, not factories, but mm. they had more resources to get people working on and fabricating them. So, you know, one printing press can produce X amount of stuff. 50 printing presses can produce 50 times that. Wow. So, yeah, you just gave away this incredible invention here. But I didn't give it away. I mean, with the flood, I I was in a tight spot. Yeah, it was like uh, a fire festival. We couldn't pay him back. I didn't, you know, they didn't do it. Oh, you stinker. Yeah. No, they would have done horrible things to me. Probably killed me. Worse yeah, than sounds me. like you were between a rock and an ass cheek. <laughs> What's let me let me put it this way? Okay, this is no real law enforcement, mm-hmm. right? You're the, you're wealthy, so you're. Well, I guess it's like today. You know, there's no accountability. Uh, what's easier, like teaching this crazy inventor who just uh, you know stiffed you on teaching him a lesson by, or just hanging him by the rafter? Mm. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, they have just, life to lead. They would have just hung me up. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Now so I had to give him something, and it had to be something good. Of course. Because if I had said, oh, here's, what about this but mediocre crap? They'd have been like, just rang me up. Pow, pow, zing. zing. I had right. to really razzle and dazzle them. I mm-hmm. had to be like, pow. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, this is great. Johan, you're the best. This but of course, gonna... you saved the flying machine because that, that was the thing that was going to put you on the map. Yes, and then, you know, it turns out it never went anywhere. Yeah, oh, that is unfortunate. And now we are quickly running out of time. No. Uh, oh. But I have one last question. I wanted to kick it over to Bing Crosby for a little bit. Bing In addition Bong. to your musical career, you were a very popular film actor. I was. In uh, 1940, you started making buddy movies with Bob Hope mm-hmm. that were affectionately referred to as Road to movies, where the two of you would be on the road, road to, to a specific location, and you guys made, I think, seven road to movies with Bob Hope. Do you get? Do you remember the road to movies? Like where you went on each of the road movies? Well, that's true, but most of the time we had no idea where we were going until we started singing the song. <laughs> okay, my we're, favorite was Road to Purgatory. We're mm, both purgatory. on the road to Purgatory. That was mm. more Bob Hope. I knew where I was going. Okay. So, so, like I said, there were seven. All right, so we had Road to Purgatory. Mm-hmm. What were some of the other ones? Uh, we're going on the road to an ice cream shop. To an ice cream, road to the ice cream shop. That was it, sweet. It was, <laughs> it was. I, see I don't know how did. you milk 90 minutes out of that, but okay. Uh, well, that's the great thing about a narrative tale. A lot of problems can happen on the way to a simple objective. Okay, we're definitely not going to get all seven at this rate, so just give me a couple more if you can. Uh, we're going to the road to an ant's house. <laughs> to an ant's house? Yep, just the first ant we found. <laughs> Is this A-U-N-T? Yep. Oh, okay. Just oh, someone's ant. We were, we were ready to settle for an A-N-T. Someone's ant. It's like, hey, do you have any brothers and sisters? Do they have any kids? No? Well, nope. I guess All right. we're on, the, we're on, we're on to the road. We're on to the next house. house. <laughs> uh, that okay. one had Mickey Rooney in it. Let's, uh, let's get one more Road 2 movie, if, if you can remember. Uh, we're going on the road to litigation. To litigation. Ooh, a yeah, that was our drama. last one. Okay. And, uh... 
Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Did yeah. you guys win the case at the end? No, we <laughs> tried to sue Coca-Cola. And mm. you don't mess with big Coca-Cola because they'll drink you up. They certainly will. Now, that is very elucidating. You know what? Let's get one more Road 2 movie. Let's get one more. Can we just get a little, just one more? We're going on the road to my dog. <laughs> to your dog? Yep. I didn't see that one. Yeah, I really don't think you can get 90 minutes out of that. Uh, no, well, my dog ran pretty damn fast. Oh, what so am I, the, the dog was I on like, the road somewhere as well. Didn't, yes, the road to the Orient, I think it's uh, pretty quickly with the war. It's uh, mm. giving kind of an unfashionable Yeah, definitely. We should, uh, we should, um, you know, not be... Uh, I'm glad that we don't use words like that. Sorry, yep. We are out of time. That is all for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, Johannes Gutenberg and Bing Crosby, for joining me in the studio today. I am your host, Jared Berenstein. Uh, you should buy my book, The Killing Conway Technique. If you're listening to this on the radio, find the podcast. We have all the old episodes on there. Uh, if uh, you are in New York, you got to come check out a show called The Sporty 40. That's going to be on March 24th at 9 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. If you have any questions you want to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We will try to have them on the show as soon as we can. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. So long.